Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Spirit of Prophecy podcast. Hope you're ready for another exciting week this week. I don't have any plans for guests this week. It's going to be all about just getting into the scriptures and giving information and just trying to learn something to help you have a better understanding of prophecy. Also, too, one thing we want to do, we want to take away scriptures that the opposition tries to misuse, I guess I should say, just one verse at a time. They haven't got much left, but those who are still hanging on to their you know, pre-tribulation doctrine, this, this pro-Israel doctrine, they have a few places where they are still hanging on for dear life, and we want to just kind of take those things away. And there are things in Ezekiel that people are still using to advance some really bad theology, and we want to make sure people understand these passages because the Ezekiel prophecies are difficult. They are mysterious. They can be complicated, and so we want to make sure we understand them and that we explain them better than they do because what they're doing, they're giving a really bad explanation, but most people don't have an explanation, and so you can't really respond. You can't just respond with nothing, and you also can't ignore their scriptures. Sometimes, too, people will try to just go to another place in the scripture that's more clear. And again, you know, obviously we ought to focus on what's clear rather than what's unclear. But the problem is if you don't give them a better answer than what they have, they will hang on to that for dear life. And the truth is they have nothing to hang on to in Ezekiel chapter or in, in the book of Ezekiel. There's nothing for them to hang on to, but a lot of really bad teaching people teach misusing the book of Ezekiel. And so hopefully through these next studies, it'll help you understand them better and you will uh, be able to combat false doctrine from the book of Ezekiel. So the way we're going to uh, break this up this week is today I'm just going to kind of do an introduction to the book of Ezekiel, just showing you uh, how we are to look at this passage and then uh, this uh, book of the Bible. but And then another thing I'm going to do, or tomorrow, we're going to go through Ezekiel 37, the dry bones prophecy. That is a major, major thing that the pre-tribbers, the pro-Israel people use to prove God's not done with Israel. Uh, then the next day we're going to talk about Gog and Magog. That It's embarrassing what people are teaching about that today. But then we're going to talk about chapters 40 through 48, where we have another temple that's being built. That some even believe that there is, that some believe that there is going to be another temple where sacrifices are made, and it's a good thing, one that God accepts. Okay, now most Baptists don't believe that, but there are certain Ruckmanites that do believe in like a either millennial temple or a new heaven, new earth temple. I'm not sure where they put it exactly, but folks, the temple that we see in Ezekiel 40 through 48 will never be. Okay, it, it will it will never be, and that's going to that might freak some of y'all out hearing that, but don't worry, uh, I'll show you. I'll, I'll give you some strong evidence. Not only strong evidence, I'll give you proof of that. So uh, keep that in mind but today we want to mainly focus on uh, just the book of Ezekiel what's going on and how we need to interpret it because uh, we should always too when we're looking at prophecy 
we should always shine the light of things revealed in the New Testament on the Old Testament prophecies. Most people do the to complete and total opposite. You know, your average pre-trib pro-Israel person, they start in Daniel when it comes to prophecy. That's not a good idea. You should probably start in Revelation. And they will literally debunk teaching from Revelation with Daniel. You don't need to do that. That's not necessary. And uh, so hopefully from the principles that we learn throughout this study of the prophecies in Ezekiel, I think it's going to help you a lot. It will also help you with some other Old Testament uh, prophetic books. And we're going to make reference to some of those in this lesson. So uh, hang on to your hats as we try to cover a lot in a short time. So the prophecies of Ezekiel, let's start in chapter 1 and verse 1. Let's, it's always important to know what is going on, where we are at in our timeline biblically in prophecies. And in Ezekiel 1.1 1, 1, it says, Now it came to pass in the 30th year, in the fourth month, in the fifth day of the month, as I was among the captives by the river of Chebar, that the heavens were open, and I saw visions of God in the fifth day of the month, which was the fifth year of Jehoiachin's captivity, the word of the Lord came expressly unto Ezekiel the priest, the son of Buzai, and the land of the Chaldeans by the river Chebar, and the hand of the Lord was there upon him. So Ezekiel, he was in captivity in Babylon when he is seeing these visions. This is well into the captivity of Israel. This is while they are in captivity in Babylon. This is after the prophecies of Jeremiah that his prophecies expended a pretty good, uh, uh, covered a pretty good period of time from before the Babylonians came in to even after they came in. And uh, we have a lot of his prophecies too, just showing that captivity wasn't going to last forever. God was going to restore the people to Israel and to their land. The temple was going to be rebuilt. A Messiah was going to come. We see all that in Jeremiah. In Ezekiel, we see the same thing. They're not going to stay in captivity forever. They are going to be restored to their land. A temple is going to be, be rebuilt. The Messiah is going to come. God is going to deal with the enemies of Israel. And in fact, a lot of Ezekiel is just giving prophecies about what God's going to do to all these other nations. And those can be difficult because we don't know what all was going on in those nations during that time. But there's, there's a lot about that. And that's why we're not going to go, uh, you know, verse by verse, chapter by chapter through Ezekiel. It would just be too long. But I do just want to kind of hit a few important highlights. And so, um, in, in, uh, so we'll jump to uh, chapter 2. We see that Ezekiel is commissioned to give these prophecies to Israel. Okay, so these prophecies, he's giving them to Israel. And in chapter 3, it's important what we see here. This is very important. And this is emphasized a lot in this book, but we're, we're just going to hit this one part. But it says, For thou art not sent to a people of a strange speech and of a hard language, but to the house of Israel, not to many people of a strange speech and of a hard language, whose words thou canst not understand. Surely had I sent thee to them, they would have hearkened to thee. But the house of Israel will not hearken unto thee, for they will not hearken unto me, for all the house of Israel are impudent and hard-hearted. Okay, now, so why would God send Ezekiel to prophesy to Israel if they're not even going to listen? You know why? Because it's the right thing to do. 
That is God being righteous. We, we have a responsibility to tell people the truth, and whether they listen or not, that is between them and God. But God is always going to do his part. God is always going to do the right thing in that which is just. Ezekiel 3, 17 says, Son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore hear the word at my mouth and give them warning from me. When I say unto the wicked, thou shalt surely die, and thou givest him not warning, nor speakest to warn the wicked from his wicked way to save his life, the same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at thine hand. Yet if thou warn the wicked, and he turn not from his wickedness, nor from his wicked way, he shall die in his iniquity, but thou hast delivered thy soul. So understand, it is it, God is going to make sure they are warned. He is not going to punish them for doing for not doing something they didn't know they were supposed to do or for doing something they didn't know they weren't supposed to do. God's not going to do that. This is why we have been called to give the gospel to every creature. God knows not everyone is going to get saved, but it is still a righteous thing for everyone to be warned. And and so when it comes to the Great Commission, here's what we've been told by God. Some will believe, some won't. It's not our job to figure out, you know, necessarily who's not going to believe and then avoid them. No, we just give the gospel to everybody. And hopefully, and, and some will believe, some won't. Now, what's interesting about this pro these prophecies that Ezekiel is going to be taking to Israel, God has told them, told Ezekiel, they will not listen. They are not going to listen. God told Ezekiel that, but it didn't matter. God, Ezekiel still needs to take this prophecy to Israel because God is a just God and Israel is going to be punished for their disobedience. But in order for God to be righteous, he is going to, he has to give them warning. And so that's what Ezekiel's doing. So remember, when instructions are given, that we see this often in the scriptures, it'll say some long lines, you know, if you do this, then this will come to pass, which would mean if you don't do this, then this won't come to pass. I mean, does that make sense? So what we're seeing in Ezekiel is we are going to see prophecies, and we'll show examples of this uh, throughout the week. I'm going to show you examples of this. But what you have to understand about these prophecies, these are this is not Ezekiel just predicting the future where he's doing a kind of prophecy where it's like, this is going to happen and nothing can change it. No, there's going to be contingencies. And so many of these things that God is talking about, okay, understand they're, uh, they're contingent on whether or not Israel is obedient. So if God is telling them this wonderful thing's going to happen if you're obedient, but God has also told Ezekiel they're not going to be obedient, then we can't expect that wonderful thing to happen to them. Do you all understand that? So whenever you're looking at Ezekiel prophecies, whenever you're seeing some grand thing that could, you know, is, is mentioned or prophesied, you have to ask yourself the question, did they obey? Did they do what they were supposed to do so this can come to pass? And you know what the answer is going to be? No, they didn't. But here's where people get confused. 
is there are prophecies in Ezekiel where we can go to Revelation and we see some very similar things. You know, there are there do seem to be some things that are mentioned that will happen no matter what. But here's the other part you got to get a hold of. How is how will so when it comes to all prophecies, if God says something is going to come to pass, then it's going to come to pass. God will fulfill that prophecy. But at the same time, while I don't think anybody denies prophecy is always fulfilled, sometimes we argue about how it's fulfilled. And what pre-trivers are looking for, they are looking for, for fulfillment in an ethnicity when they should be looking for the fulfillment in Jesus Christ. That is where the fulfillment comes from. It comes from Jesus Christ. It comes from the new and better covenant. And we're going to see some examples in here that some of the things that God prophesied, yes, these things will come to pass, but we can actually go to the New Testament and see the fulfillment of those things, and it's not exactly the same. In fact, a word I would use to explain the differences is a word that we see a lot in Hebrews, and that's the word better. We will see a fulfillment, but a better fulfillment because the things that are fulfilled through Christ rather than an ethnicity are better because they include the whole world, not just Israel. So the, the things of the new covenant are better than that of the old covenant. So we're going to see that. So that so the thing too, especially when it comes to, and this is a whole another subject for another day. I'm not going to really spend any time on this, but a very ignored uh, aspect of theology, and the, there's a lot of scripture on this, is uh, teaching on instru additional instructions that God gave Israel for when they are restored to their land. And we see a lot of that in the book of Ezekiel, that God is telling them, when you're restored to your land, you know, when you are, rebuild that temple, I want you doing this and this and this and this. There was all these extra things they were supposed to do. But the problem is Israel didn't do those things. They did not get those things done. And so we see that in a lot of the um, post-captivity um, books of the uh, Bible, when it, uh, things that are during the captivity like Ezekiel. There are a lot of those instructions. There, there, a lot of those include instructions. You all need to do this. The problem is they didn't do those things. And as a result of them disobeying these things, we when we get to Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, we see Jesus Christ taking those things away from them and giving them to another nation. I do, I agree. I think one of the worst things we've done to our Holy Bible is we stuck that page in between Malachi and Matthew. It says the New Testament. It's like people think all of a sudden we've got like a whole new story here. We're like in a whole new dispensation. It's like, no, what we're seeing in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is we are seeing what, you know, the results of all the things that God had told them to do in those uh, books of the Bible about the, after the, that come after the captivity. There was a lot of things Israel was supposed to do. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is showing us what they did. And you know what? They didn't do what they were supposed to do. They did everything wrong. And so Jesus comes and Jesus 
fulfills those things. Jesus accomplishes those things. So everybody today, what pretty much all futurists do, and it's embarrassing, is they go to these Old Testament passages and they read them as if all of this stuff is about 2,500 years into the future. And that's ridiculous. We don't need to do that. Here's a great example of this too. Zechariah, this is another, uh, this prophecy was given after they came out of captivity. After they had, they had already started the work in the temple, but it had gotten held up and it was time for them to get back to work. And there's a lot of instruction given to them in Zechariah of things they were supposed to do when that new temple is built. It was prophesied, again, they, it's, it's not prophesying the restoration of the land. They've already been restored to the land. But the, many of these prophecies are about the temple of the Lord and about how the Messiah is going to come into that temple. And folks, that happened. Okay, That happened. But Zechariah 6.15 says, And they that are far off shall come and build in the temple of the Lord. And ye shall know that the Lord of hosts has sent me unto you, and this shall come to pass if ye will diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God. Did you all see that? And we're not going to go back and read all the things that God told him to do, but he said all these things are going to come to pass if, 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 if you obey. And so people read Zechariah as if all of it is going to play out exactly as stated in the book of Zechariah. No, it's not going to. You know why? Because they didn't obey. Zechariah 9, 9. Everybody knows this passage of scripture right here. Everybody knows this. It says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding upon an ass and upon a colt, the foal of an ass. Now, when did, now did that happen? You better believe that happened. That happened when? At the coming of Christ, at the triumphal entry is what people call it. At the day of visitation is what Jesus called it. On Palm Sunday is when that happened. One week before the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But now let's keep reading. And I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim. I don't remember that. And the horse from Jerusalem. And the battle bow shall be cut off. And he shall speak peace unto the heathen. And dominion shall be from sea even to sea. And from the river even to the ends of the earth. And as for thee also, by the blood of thy covenant... I have sent forth thy prisoners out of the pit, wherein is no water. Turn ye to the stronghold, ye prisoners of hope. Even today do I declare that I will render double unto thee. When I have bent Judah for me, filled the bow with Ephraim, and raised up thy sons, O Zion, against thy sons, O Greece, and made thee as the sword of a mighty man. And the Lord shall be seen over them, and his arrow shall go forth as a lightning, and the Lord God shall blow the trumpet, and shall go with whirlwinds of the south. The Lord of hosts shall defend them, and they shall devour and subdue with sling stones. And they shall drink and make a noise as through wine, and they shall be filled like bowels, and as the corners of the altar. And the Lord their God shall save them in that day, as the flock of his people, for they shall be as the stones of a crown lifted up as an ensign upon his land. For how great is his goodness, and how great is his beauty! Corn shall make the young men cheerful, and new wine the maids. When did the rest of that stuff happen? Uh, when did he cut off the chariot from Ephraim, the battle boat? When did all that happen? Because verse 9 was pretty literal. I mean, that, that is exactly what happened at his triumphal entry. Why didn't the rest of those things happen? And so that's where people create gaps. 
That's where people have that gap theory. They'll use that to prove, well, you know, because Israel, they didn't receive their Messiah, and so now all these things have been put on hold. No. These things will come to pass if ye diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God. See, here's what everyone agrees with. Everyone. Whether dispensational or non-dispensational. Israel disobeyed God when they rejected Jesus as the Messiah. So here's the question we have to ask. What would have happened if they would have obeyed? Um, that's where we go back and we look at those Old Testament prophecies like in Ezekiel and Zechariah. If they are prepared, if they are ready, if they obey, then this and this and this and this will happen. But they didn't. And so you have people too who recognize Israel's disobedience. And what do they do? They try and they'll take prophecies that show Israel was going to disobey. And they are there. Listen, Israel's rejection of the Messiah was clearly prophesied. The death of Christ on the cross was clearly prophesied. Everything that actually happened was prophesied. And so you have people too who they tr they try to twist all these prophecies or spiritualize them to make it how they all happened at Christ's first coming. And no, you don't have to do that. Some of these prophecies were contingent. And so there are things mentioned that are potential outcomes that will take place if Israel obeys. And when you start talking to some preachers and you say that if Israel would have obeyed, this and this would happen. Well, now the Bible was, was clear they weren't going to. I, I get that. I, I get that. But it doesn't change the fact that God had his prophets go to them and tell them what would happen if they obey and what would happen if they disobey. And often people are reading prophecies explaining what will happen if they obey and they act like those things have to happen. No, they don't because they didn't obey. And that's how it is with the prophecies in Ezekiel. Don't get me wrong. There are things that will be fulfilled or that are still to be fulfilled. And I believe they will be fulfilled. But it will not be exactly like it was in Ezekiel because of the fact that Israel disobeyed. And that is exactly what God told Ezekiel they would do. He said, you go tell them this because this is righteous. You know, if, if they die in their sins, their blood is on them. So this was God's way of putting the blood and the blame of those who reject on Israel, on themselves, not on him. God did his part. Jesus did his part. In Zechariah 9, Jesus came and sure enough, he did his part. He showed up like it was prophesied that he was going to, but Israel was not ready. Israel was not ready for the coming of Christ. And look what it says in Luke 19.41. This is after Jesus fulfills Zechariah 9.9. 9. It says, when he was come near, he beheld the city and wept over it, saying, If thou hadst known, even thou at least in this thy day, the things which belong unto thy peace, but now they are hid from thine eyes. Man, if, if you would have known what was coming for you. I mean, and you know, we can go back and we can look at these prophecies and we can see what was coming for them. It was a lot of great stuff. But now, something changed, Israel. What happened? They weren't ready. Now they're hid from thine eyes. For the days shall come upon thee, that thine enemies shall cast a trench about thee, encompass thee round, and keep thee in on every side. 
and they shall lay thee even with the ground and thy children within thee, and they shall not leave in thee one stone upon another, because thou knewest not the time of thy visitation. So because they didn't know the time, because they didn't understand, they weren't ready for the Messiah. And so when he came, he didn't do, you know, he didn't conquer their enemies. He didn't do all those other things he talked about in Zechariah 9.9 and, and many of the prophecies in Ezekiel. None of those things happened because they weren't ready. Now, what he did do is he went to the cross. And you can definitely find prophecies that prophesy about that because, again, God always knew they were going to reject. But it didn't change the fact that in the the you know the post exile passages and the ones the the exile passages where he is giving them instructions for when they return to their land and they rebuild the temple doesn't change the fact that God did give them potential outcomes if they would obey even though God knew they weren't going to so you always have to keep that in mind when you're reading about a prophecy in Ezekiel you need to look and say is this going to happen is this something that happens if they obey and if it is, then you need to say, okay, but they didn't obey. So it's not going to happen. So then you say, well, but wait a minute. I see this. I see, I do see a fulfillment of this shown in the book of Revelation. So obviously everything here has to take place. No, it doesn't. Again, because you're going to see differences and we're going to show those as we go through there. And we're going to find out is because the way they turn out is actually better because, again, they're all about Jesus. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Prophecies are fulfilled through Jesus. So Malachi 3, this is another example. This is after the exile. This is after they've rebuilt their temple. And they have not been being obedient. God has restored them to the land. God has let their temple be rebuilt. But then he sent, sends a prophet to just rebuke the fire out of them. Because they were doing a really bad job with what God had given them. And he said in Malachi 3, 1, Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom ye seek shall suddenly come into his temple. Even the messenger of the covenant whom ye delight in, behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. That was on Palm Sunday. That was on the day of visitation. But when he showed up, he didn't do these things. He wept over the city. You know why? Because they didn't obey. But who may abide the day of his coming? And who shall stand when he appeareth? For he is like a refiner's fire and a fuller soap. And he shall sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. And he shall purify the sons of Levi. And purge them as gold and silver. That they may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. When did the Levites offer an offering to the Lord in righteousness? Never happened. Then shall the offering of Judah and Jerusalem be pleasant unto the Lord as in the days of old, and as in the former years. And I will come near to you to judgment, and I will be a swift witness against the sorcerers, and against the adulterers, and against the false swears, against those that oppress the hireling, and the wages, the widow, the fatherless, and that turn aside the stranger from his right, and fear not me, saith the Lord of hosts. Jesus showed up to do his part, but Israel had not done their parts. They did not heed the rebukes of Malachi. And all the things he called them out for in their sorry temple practices that they were doing. Their temple practices were supposed to be better than ever. If you look at those prophe those the other prophecies in Zechariah and in Ezekiel. Their, their, their sacrifice should have been better than ever. But the truth is they were worse than ever. They were terrible. It was a joke. When Jesus showed up, Israel was a mess. And so these things 
did not happen. They were contingent on their obedience. And Israel disobeyed. Matthew 16, 27. This is another mysterious passage of scripture people get confused on. It says, For the Son of Man shall come in his glory of his Father with his angels, and then he shall reward every man according to his works. Verily I say unto you, there be some standing here which shall not taste of death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. And the preterists like to use this to prove uh, everything had to have happened in the first century. And then, you know, the futurists were like, you know, what do we do with this? Because uh, obviously this has been over 2,000 years and no one's still alive. So some might say too, uh, well, John did get to see these things because he got a vision of it in Revelation. But, you know, it does kind of seem to imply that it's going to be soon enough that, you know, a normal, it'll happen within a normal lifespan of somebody who is there. And so another thing that people often do too is they'll say, well, here's where the fulfillment of that is in Matthew chapter 17. And this is kind of weak because the very next verse, and it's like this in all in uh, three of the gospels where this is recorded in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, it will give this statement and then it goes to the Mount of Transfiguration. And so some will say this was the fulfillment of that. But, you know, let, let's go ahead and read this passage. I want to point out some things to you. So it says, and after, uh, the, after six days, Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth them up to an high mountain apart, and was transfigured before them, and his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elias talking with him. Then answered Peter and said unto Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here if thou wilt let us Make here three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, one for Elias. While he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their face and were sore afraid. And Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise and be not afraid. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no man save Jesus only. And as they came down from the mountain, Jesus charged them, saying, Tell the vision to no man until the Son of Man be risen again from the dead. And his disciples asked him, saying, Why then say the scribes that Elias must first come? And Jesus answered and said to them, Elias truly shall first come and restore all things. But I say unto you that Elias has come already, and they knew him not, but have done unto him whatsoever they listed. Likewise shall also the Son of Man suffer of them, then the disciples understood that he spake unto them of John the Baptist. So what's going on right here? Jesus is one, one he's showing them that, hey, the scribes are right in what they're saying. This is what is laid out in the scripture. Elias is going to come restore all things first. Then the Messiah is going to come. But he's telling them, but here's what you need to understand. Elias did come and they killed him. And you know what? They're going to do that to me too. Now, let me ask you. I'm going to ask you two questions. Okay. Before you answer the first one, hear the second question too. Did Israel disobey God by killing John the Baptist and Jesus? Second question though, did they fulfill prophecy when they did those things? Y yes. Without a doubt, they fulfilled certain prophecies that were telling us what was going to happen. But understand too, that when they killed Elias and when they killed or, John, or when they killed John the Baptist, when they killed Jesus, 
that was them disobeying other prophecies, telling them what God is going to do, what's going to come, and what they were supposed to do. And so we see both of those kind of prophecies in the Bible. Some prophecies, it is. This is God saying, this is what's going to happen and nothing can change it. Some prophecies are prophecies giving instruction, telling you this is what will come to pass if you will obey. And often people will take those passages, they'll look at the outcomes of what's going to take place if they obey, and then they act like that's prophetic, these things have to happen. No, they don't. In fact, they can't happen if they disobey. If they disobey, then the, if the, and then those things still happen, then God lied. And there's a lot of prophecies like that in the Bible, a lot of prophecies like that in the Old Testament, especially, and everyone just isolates. Everyone just takes the part, you know, where there's the good stuff, and then they say, that's definitely going to happen. Nothing can change that. And so we're going we're gonna to end it here. But here's where I know the objection is going to be, and make sure you stay with me this week as we go through these prophecies. Because when it comes to a lot of these Old Testament prophecies, it, it is. It's very easy to take New Testament prophecies and connect them with these Old Testament prophecies to show that they are still going to come to pass. But understand that doesn't mean, one, it doesn't mean all of them are going to come to pass. Some are not because they didn't obey. So the ones that are going to come to pass, even where they disobeyed, we have to ask ourselves the question, how are those things fulfilled? And we will see. The scriptures will show us those things. And so as important as the similarities are, the differences are equally as important. And the differences are definitely there. And so I do believe that Ezekiel 37 Ezekiel 38, 39, I believe those things are yet to be fulfilled. But it's not going to look exactly like it does in Ezekiel 37, 38, and 39. We will show you the differences. I just heard a preacher recently talking about Gog and Magog, saying there's like a Gog and Magog 1 and a Gog and Magog 2 that's going to come. There's some there's people that believe uh, that the Ezekiel Gog and Magog is going to come either possibly before the rapture. That's what they all thought in the 70s. Uh, or right after the rapture. But they also can't deny there's one after the thousand-year reign as well. So they've made it into two. And it's like, why do they need to do that? They do need to do that if they're going to stick with their pre-trib pro-Israel thing. But when we actually go to the scriptures and we compare certain things, you'll see that's ridiculous. There's only going to be one Gog and Magog. Only one. Why? We'll we'll see. What's going on in Ezekiel 40-48? We will see. It's really not that complicated. It's only complicated if you're married to a pre-trib theology and a a pro-Israel, if you have an Israel-based prophecy, that's the only time you have any problems. But when you have a Jesus-based prophecy, when when you don't have your eschatology all messed up, these are actually pretty simple. And so we're going to cover those, so be ready tomorrow as we go through uh, Ezekiel's prophecy of the dry bones. And I think you all will uh, get a lot from that. And we will, throughout each of these two, I'll give even more precedent for all these things 
that were stated in this podcast. So I hope this was a help and a blessing to you. God bless you. We'll see you all tomorrow.